Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. Welcome to another Tactical Tuesday, which is a short form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips and advice for building your solar business or career. And if you've clicked through on today's episode, an overview on where do I start in the clean energy industry, I suspect that you are thinking about a career change or you're thinking about how your career could or should be growing in the industry and you are looking for some tips and practical advice. In fairness, this is a replay from our Suncast Career Summit, which happened back in September 2020. But it is a great overview. And as you'll hear, not only myself, but some of the guests, in particular Eric Posse, have written quite a bit about the answers to the oft-made question, how do I get into this industry? Where do I start? If that's you, I hope you'll also take a chance and go to my Suncast com and click on the work with Nico button. I'd love to give you 15 minutes of my time. Everybody that fills out a coaching application gets 15 minutes to chat clarity call. If you will love to see where you're at and how I can help you go further. And of course, while you are at my suncast.com, you can check out so many more of these podcasts. We've now got almost 350 of them published. Super happy to have you here today. If this is your first time consider giving us a rating of course after you've listened to the whole episode and you are no doubt a fan i would really love it if you'd give us a rating and review on itunes if you just hit that like button or subscribe button on spotify that'd be amazing as well but for now get ready to tune up your skills figure out how to get into this wonderful industry we call clean energy here we go with another powerful conversation on suncast we're going to be having a conversation with four friends who are all involved in some aspect with the clean energy industry. Uh, What does clean energy job landscape look like right now? That's one of the questions we're going to be looking into. We're also going to think about what types of candidates are companies looking to hire. Uh, We're going to hear from our panel of experts who will share their insights on where you can start when looking for new job opportunities. Before we get into that. I just want to say thank you, as you saw just now from our sponsors, LightSource BP, our t- title sponsor, also uh, gracious to and grateful for these other sponsors, Soul Systems, Solaris Global, and so many other industry sponsors who have uh, helped to make this show a reality for you and I. If you are watching today and you're thinking about how do you get into clean energy, this is a great place to start. And if you missed yesterday, then I would encourage you to uh, sign up for our All Access Pass or Evergreen Pass. You can watch the replays. We had an amazing uh, panel of discussions throughout the day with Erica Jefferson from Black Women in Science and Engineering, uh, from Paula Glover from uh, American Association of Blacks in Energy, 
Uh, we had Matt Hankey and Mike Healy, uh, two CEOs of energy companies, talk about their own journey in the process of integrating diversity, equity, and inclusion into their hiring practices, building out their teams. We had some really cool uh, uh, networking sessions, a speed network in the middle of the day, and a networking session that went into the evening. Uh, both were hosted on uh, AirMeet, one of our private channels. Uh, and speaking of private channels, and we also had rounding out the day, Catherine McLean uh, leading a discussion on DNI hiring in action with some amazing uh, HR leaders from the industry who are putting into practice hiring methods for diversity and equity and inclusion. Uh, if you have missed out because you haven't registered for the Career Summit at Career Summit at SuncastCareerSummit.com, then you may not know we have a private community. What's the value of the private community, you might ask? Well, uh, you can join hundreds of others who uh, are part of our private community and are chatting away on topics of interest. Uh, you get exclusive access to not only yesterday's speakers, but many of today's speakers who've already joined the community and others we hope will join us as well. Extra content, workshop takeaways, job postings, candidate pool, and more. Um, we have world-class companies like Next Tracker, Light Source BP, Solar Energy International, Madison Energy, and many others who have posted jobs in, uh, in our community. So if you are looking, I would encourage you to go look there. It's from folks that I've known for years in the industry who have said, hey, Nico, if folks come to the Career Summit and are looking for a role, we'd like to invite them to apply. Uh, and also you get access to me and my community uh, and my team who are regularly in there uh, posting about what's happening in the industry. And, uh, and it's an exciting place to jump in uh, and learn more. Uh, you can get access to the community regardless of ticket level. And uh, I have a gift for those who've already jumped in. You can participate in our speed networking and our evening networking sessions uh, and our virtual FAQ, which comes right after this. So if you haven't jumped in there, go ahead and sign up. Even for the free ticket, you'll get access to the community where we do post um, private access to the networking sessions, which otherwise are only accessible uh, by buying a ticket. So I'd encourage you to go do that. Uh, today, we are going to be, as I mentioned, uh, kicking the day off with this industry overview. Where? Do I start? It's a question that I get. Eric Posse on our uh, on our panel gets asked so often that he wrote a book so he doesn't have to get into those 15, 20 hour long conversations uh, a month that uh, that folks are so prone to say, hey, can I pick your brain? Well, if you've ever wanted to pick the brain of industry executives about where to start, uh, this is the session for you. We're going to kick it off with a conversation with a friend of mine, uh, Sarah Wilder. Sarah has been in the solar industry for almost 20 years, longer than I have. Uh, she started out in, uh, in photovoltaics as an installer, and she spent the last five plus years specifically training at Solar World and Solar Energy International. Um, she's been in the industry since 2002. Uh, she is, uh, she's a, a PV rock star, and I love uh, all the work that she's been up to. We're going to bring Sarah to stage, so I'm going to do one by one. going to have a brief discussion with each one, and then I'll bring everyone back up. Sarah, you're up first. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nico. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm jazzed. You've got, uh, you've got such a great experience uh, with uh, the foundations of what our industry is about, which is installing clean energy systems, namely uh, solar energy systems. Uh, and you are a, you were the director of programming um, and curriculum at uh, Solar Energy International. And you recently uh, started something that I also want to talk about, which is an apprenticeship program. Can yeah. you, uh, can you give us a sense uh, over the 20 years that you've been in the industry? What are the key areas where you see 
real opportunities for apprenticeship going into the next decade? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the installation apprenticeship, um, as you kind of alluded to, I um, recently took over program managing the Oregon Solar Apprenticeship Program. So it's an apprenticeship program for um, installers um, because in Oregon, you have to have a license um, to install solar. So I think that, you know, there will continue to be apprenticeship opportunities in the installation sector. Um, but then, you know, apprenticeship is definitely not just limited to construction work. Um, you know, I know on a national scale, I'm involved with um, Solar Foundation is, has some efforts going on to um, develop kind of a, a framework for apprenticeship programs that, you know, might start with installation, but it can be solar technical sales, solar design, um, solar site surveying. I mean, apprenticeship is, an, is a great way to, like, you know, learn from people and get, like, required education and, and get a start in the industry. Yeah. Sarah, for those who aren't maybe aren't familiar even with the term apprenticeship, what does it mean to apprentice and um, what are some of the trade mm -hmm. skills someone can expect to, to work on as an apprentice? Sure. Well, um, speaking from my own experience, because I was an installation apprentice, um, I started back in 2006. Um, it's, and it's basically like you get hired um, with a, a training agent, which is an employer, and it's a, a process of doing on-the-job training combined with um, schooling on the side. Mm. So when I was an apprentice, I took a bunch of classes through Solar Energy International, and I got, you know, the hands-on experience during the day working my installation job. So it was like putting the two together, and, you know, that's when the magic happens, when you get to, like, learn about something and then see it, um, you know, in person, you know, during the day. That's fantastic. One of the things that um, is key to an apprenticeship is just, as you said, it's on the job training. Uh, and it's often underneath the tutelage of someone else who's considered uh, a master electrician or someone who has reached a certain certification level. Uh, what are the basic foundations of certifications for, let's say, solar energy installers? I know it may vary um, by state, but generally speaking, if somebody says, well, I want to go in and get up on the roof and I want to, I'm a manual labor type of person. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've been, I've been an HVAC or I've been an electrician. What, what are the, um, what are the pathways there for, for solar installation? Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I'd say NABCEP offers some really great options, um, which kind of, it's, it's a national organization. NABCEP is, or international. Um, NABCEP is the North American board of certified energy practitioners and a good, a good place to start, um, you know, SEI, Solar Energy International, has classes that you can take, you know, the PV101 class, the PV203 class, and then you would sit for the um, NABCEP um, PV Associates exam. Um, so that's a good place to start, you know, depending on the state that you work in, um, there might be licensing requirements. So the Interstate Renewable Energy Council, they've got a website that has like a state licensing map and you can, you know, research, you know, do I need to do an apprenticeship program or can I just go out and, you know, get, get an entry level solar installer job? Yeah. Um, well, Sarah, we're going to have you come back when we have the panel and uh, I wanted to set this, uh, the tone and Sarah, apart from uh, having gone through apprenticeship uh, and having worked with hundreds, maybe thousands of installers, um, she has also developed curriculum with Solar Energy International, the longest standing uh, nonprofit in the U.S., uh, on training. So, Sarah, we'll have you back up in a little bit. 
to, t uh, to answer questions. I hope, I hope uh, we'll see questions coming in from the crowd. And uh, I just wanted to take a moment to say if you are watching on LinkedIn or Twitter or if you're watching via the uh, suncastcareersummit.com website, then I would encourage you to drop your questions into the comments. We're going to curate those questions along with questions that I and my team have for our panel. Um, next up, we so don't be shy. Put your questions in there. Next up, we are going to have a conversation with Becca Ward. Becca <clears throat> is the Senior Director at CELI, the Clean Energy Leadership Institute. It's a nonprofit dedicated to creating a new kind of energy leadership and bringing new voices, perspectives, and backgrounds into clean energy. She's been uh, in policy and policy background, um, having spent seven years working in capital, on Capitol Hill uh, for Senator Markley. Uh, Becca, welcome to the show. Excellent. Hi, Nico. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. It's awesome to have you here. Um, so we heard from Sarah how uh, there is a pretty tried and true pathway for folks that want to go into uh, manual uh, physical labor jobs. Um, there's, there are training protocols. Uh, there are certifications through NABSEP and other organizations. Uh, one of the things that we've seen uh, generally, though, is uh, a lack of overall professional development um, that's focused in the way that uh, in the way that architecture or marketing even have professional curriculum development, um, and especially for young professionals. Uh, one of the things I'm so impressed with is CELI's uh, intention of creating a diverse community of change makers across sectors and disciplines uh, to transition to an equitable, decarbonized, and resilient energy ecosystem. I'm not making that up. That comes from uh, the CELI uh, website. But um, I'd love to have you explain how the CELI fellowship program works in uh, slightly in contrast with say uh the kinds of trainings that solar energy international is engaged in yeah absolutely and you know even building off of what sarah just said right if you're looking just at a solar project you know there is the siding there's the regulatory side there's the legal side there's the policy the enabling policies and the ecosystem that comes with that um there's community outreach there's making sure it's an equitable project um there's so many different components just within the solar field that i think folks coming into the space have a really hard time seeing what the range of opportunities in the clean energy industry are. It is for every skill set. It is for every range of, of folks. And what we try to do at CLI is help bring those different silos, both within the energy industry. So between finance, between law, between business, between technology, and bring them together to get a bit uh, a bigger sense of the sector and some of the interacting, overlapping, interdisciplinary challenges that the clean energy industry faces because every day it gets more complicated. When we started CELI and the fellowship back in Washington, D.C. in 2013, it was very much on this frustration from young folks not knowing how to get into the energy industry, like not understanding the pathways and seeing that it was extremely unrepresentative of the people that were impacted by climate change um, and the communities most impacted by climate change. So yeah, 
Our fellowship program takes, we are now running in Washington, D.C., in the Bay Area, in Chicago for the first time this year, and are looking to expand to New York and to Houston. And we take about 35 fellows um, per cohort, per, per city, and take them through this long fundamentals where we talk about the energy markets, we talk about the policy, we talk about technologies, we talk about the history and and equities, both within the energy space and how that interplays with climate justice, racial justice, and moving to that, as you mentioned in our mission statement, that equitable, resilient, decarbonized ecosystem. So we yeah. do that. And then a bunch of trainings, you know, clean energy 101s for folks trying to understand what this space looks like. Yeah, I love it. The uh, One of the things that's really, uh, I think, is amazing about CELI is that the trainings are done, uh, you have staff, but you also have industry folks come in who, uh, I mean, I'm thinking, um, I know that John Powers uh, is one example of folks that have come in and done specific trainings on helping the fellows get a foothold of where they fit in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you see fellows coming from? I'm really curious to know, like, is there uh, do you have data on the sectors or the kinds of jobs that people are leaving to come into clean energy? Um, so we increasingly over the last year or two have have been actively recruiting transition candidates. And we get a lot of folks coming from sales, from finance, um, looking to transition over from a general um, like engineering background looking to transfer over, but our overall demographic, um, now that we, we've just finished our 2020 fellowship, we've have about 600 alumni through that have gone through the CLI fellowship and it's, it's pretty well distributed between the public sector, the private sector, across industries, um, government. Uh, we are really intentional about trying to get that snapshot so that you have folks in every corner of clean energy that you can, that you can talk to. And our, right now, as you mentioned, we are, we are very intentional about trying to, to help create a more diverse clean energy workforce. Um, our alumni run about just north of 50% female and about 35% people of color. So that's a very intentional um, effort for us and, and we hope to, to help the industry there as well. Yeah, um, two quick questions. Uh, how long is the fellowship and is there an age range or any sort of an age limit? I know some of these fellowships, you they don't, for. Um, for career, specific reasons, like older than 30, are you too old? I'm just wondering, is this something that somebody like me at 41 could do or? Yeah, absolutely. So our fellowship, I should, I should highlight is non-residential in that most folks are working while they're doing this. We meet eight, one, one night a week normally, plus some weekends mm. um, through about a five month period. And we'll be releasing applications um, in early January um, for our 2021 cohort. Um, we do not have an age limit. Um, the the hardest requirement we have for the fellowship is you have to either have three years of clean energy experience um, or five years in another industry to, and looking to transfer in. But right. more than anything, we're just looking for folks that are passionate about bringing about this equitable energy transition. Um, I love it. So check us out. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're going to uh, bring you back up in just a minute, but talking about someone else who is passionate about bringing renewable energy to the world. I'm going to bring my friend Joe Tassone to the stage. Joe, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing uh, very good. Thank you, Nico. 
Absolutely, man. For those who are fans of Suncast, I hope that you will have listened to this gentleman's uh, episode. Joe is an experienced executive and, and real estate professional. He spent uh, more than a decade uh, in the telecom industry, uh, broadly focused on acquiring land and building uh, cell towers and uh, managing uh, teams of companies in the telecom industry. He has a tremendous and demonstrated history of working uh, in fast growth environments. Um, and he has also a really, really strong business acumen. Joe is one of the guys that I turn to often for insights. Uh, he's a particularly uh, uh, one of his uh, particular uh, pursuits of interest is around customer service. So maybe we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but Joe, I wanted to uh, I wanted to start off with, uh, you know, you, you represent sort of the opposite end of the spectrum from the folks that typically are being trained by SEI or going through CELI in that you have deep uh, uh, experience. You're in uh, your sort of second career, as it were. Uh, how was getting into renewables when you decided to make that transition from telecom into renewables? How was it different? from when you started in telecom back in the 90s? Uh, well, it's a really good question, Nico. You know, when I started in telecom in 96, so by the way, I have over 20 years experience in uh, wireless telecom. Uh, it was the Wild West. I mean, it was, uh, you had Sprint, T-Mobile, uh, Verizon, uh, the AT&T companies, all vying for licenses. Uh, I was... I didn't even know what I was doing. They, they were just hiring people literally off the street. If, you, if your brother worked at a company, if your friend worked at a company, you were hired. Um, no experience, very little training. I, you know, what I see in the renewable sector right now, it, it is a, definitely an explosive sector, but it's a little bit more, um, uh, a little more uh, scientific in terms of hiring people. I don't see it just like hiring anybody, but it is a, uh, the comparisons I would say is you can get in there with uh, at least on the development end, uh, you need a little bit more experience, but it's, uh, I would say it's a little tougher to get into renewables than when I got into telecom. If I had to put a uh, one, one word answer on it, I would say a little more challenging. Uh, um, well, if, you, if I asked you to expound, uh, I wonder, is it, uh, was it a question that's challenging? Was it a question of not knowing where to start? Uh, or was it uh, not having the, uh, the the educational background? What was the what was the what were some of the challenges early on? In in telecom or in solar? No, in solar. Yeah. Um, well, when I when I transitioned into it, you know, I was actually going for uh, with my other company in, in telecom. We were did construction and consulting, and we were looking to diversify, you know, do, by doing research and renewables, and saw that solar definitely is a, a very emerging. Uh, career path in uh, technology. So I was working and speaking to a large-scale developer co uh, company. Uh, I won't mention the name, but they're one of the largest in the country. And they actually liked our background. Getting real estate, I always boil this down, and I said it on the podcast that we were on a few months ago, is solar development is, is really a real estate play. At the end of the day, we are yeah. Wiring real estate, very not a lot different than if you're going out building waffle houses or cell towers or even strip malls. It really comes down to, you know, getting real estate. You can't do anything with real estate. You could have the best installers, the best technology, the lowest cost on panels, the best uh, state incentives. If you don't have that piece of property, whether it's ground mount, rooftop, parking lot, you have nothing. So 
we understood that. I understood that game being a developer in telecom. So that sort of was an easy transition. The to, to answer your question specifically on the challenge was the knowing the actual vernacular and the scope. I mean, scope is a language uh, in any industry, and so it's pretty complicated. And uh, that was the biggest challenge, really understanding. Uh, I always joke around that when I f- was going out scouting for sites, I didn't even realize that you needed three-phase power until I brought back my first project and the client was like, what are you doing? So there was very little training on that end. What resources, just a, a quick um, follow-on there, what resources were helpful to you to better understand the scope, the vernacular, uh, the, the legalese of the industry? Really, the the people that in the actual company, I actually got some mentors, um, a lot younger than me, actually, uh, who helped me uh, just pick their brain and ask a million questions. Uh, there was no formal training uh, that at least I was directed. I didn't even learn until I was in it a few months that, about the, the industry, the different industry organizations that are out there and the, the website tools. But it was really other individuals that were already ensconced in the industry that I was able to ask them questions and uh, pick their brain. Uh, it probably hounded them to a point of exhaustion at times. But And I'm still learning every day. I think everybody should learn every day. So I really – key individuals in organizations uh, or friends in the business, I found that are the key resources. There's not a real – at least from a development end, and, and maybe there is, but I don't see it. There's really not a, a formal education uh, or training. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I see this industry lacks, and I saw this in telecom, is even there's not a lot of good training. People, you talk to a, a lot of different people across the industry, they'll tell you that you just sort of get thrown out there, give a couple tools, and you, yeah. you know, sink or swim. And there's a better way to approach that, I, I, I believe. And I think that's something that's missing uh, in this sector, at least from a development standpoint. You know, it's the time of year where folks start moving around from business to business, job to job, career transition is at its peak. And it's often a time where folks look to someone else to help organize their thoughts and guide their principles. I've spent the last 15 years in renewables. I've spent the last five years coaching founders and startup executives in this space specifically. And for the last year, I've been helping folks transition out of oil and gas and other industries into renewables and i've found that there are a few things that are commonalities i'd like to invite you if that sounds like something you're interested in to have a conversation with me about whether or not coaching might be in your future and working with me might be something that would help level up your business or your personal career path you can fill out an application over at mysuncast.com just click on the work with me button in the very top right And everyone who fills out an application, I'm going to set up a 15-minute clarity call. So I'd invite you to run, fill that out if this sounds remotely interesting to you. And let's have a chat. See if there is, in fact, a fit. I look forward to chatting soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to Suncast. Let me know if I can help you in other ways. One of the things that uh, I have personally experienced with Joe is his keen attention to follow-up. And I have to say... Having spoken to uh, you know, thousands of folks in the industry, um, uh, I often wonder, is it part of the training? Is it part of the culture of real estate or telecom? 
But the folks that I meet who have your um, background and training uh, are very, very diligent. And I know that the company you mentioned, which uh, I'll have some other questions uh, about that soon, uh, the company you mentioned, like that, that's one of the filters for, uh, for good development companies as they look for folks in the real estate industry, look for folks coming out of the telecom industry. Um, and there are key characteristics that make, uh, I'll say good developers. So when we bring you back, I'm going to ask some of those questions about what you're seeing, uh, as needs and opportunities in the industry. But for now, Joe will say, uh, goodbye to you for a sec. I'm going to bring up my other dear friend, Eric Posse. How you doing, Eric? Hey, hey, Nico. Doing well, man. It's a beautiful day here in, in Minneapolis. Fantastic. Eric is the Chief Development Officer for Impact Power Solutions, also known as IPS, a company with 15 years of renewable energy experience. Um, and he's helped accelerate uh, significant solar power development, not just for IPS, but for the region uh, being invo- involved and invested in uh, Minnesota and the upper Midwest Um he has a particular focus on developing new markets, and he jump-started the company's uh, solar community or community solar gardens program. Uh, for those who are Suncast listeners, he also was a very recent guest, so hopefully some of you have listened to his episode, and uh, in that we mentioned that he has a book forthcoming called Clean Wave, A Guide to Success in the Green Recovery. Uh, Eric, I'm excited about uh, the reception of Clean Wave, so I'm actually going to start with... Uh, I know that you uh, you wrote Clean Wave specifically to address uh, w- what book would I have wanted to read when I got into the industry. So with that in mind, what are some of the common questions that you get from folks who are looking to start in the industry? I know you get a lot of inbound requests for guidance and feedback. Yeah, and I, I'm not unique I, in that degree, right? I think you yeah. as well as Joe, I'm sure, and other uh, other folks um, all across the industry are getting fielding questions from people, uh, whether it's a LinkedIn message or it's an, uh, a private email. Hey, I want to learn more about what you do. I want to learn more about the solar industry. I want to learn more about clean tech. And um, I was probably getting five to 10 of those uh, requests a week mainly from people in my network, friends um, and friends of friends, but then also, uh, you know, people who reach out cold. And at the beginning of my career, and I I started about a dozen years ago in in solar, um, you know, I I was coming straight out of college. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I just had a passion for clean energy. I had a passion for solving the climate crisis. And um, you're right. I wrote the book partly, uh, you know, as a, um, as a guide resource guide for the, for all of the folks that uh, contact me directly and want to learn more. But I also did it as a way to, to give back. I've been extremely fortunate in this industry. Um, it's, uh, it's a joy to go to work every day and do what I do. And I am hopeful to share, you know, those same opportunities with people on the way up. So um, the it's, it's, it's been fun. Yeah. The uh, I'm wondering. I'm curious as you uh, as you increased in uh, executive leadership in the company. Do you feel like the the kinds of people who approached you changed as well? Yeah, you know, I started out in sales, and I talk about it. Um, so the book is is resources for sure. Uh, talking about a bit about you know how um, you know my. Uh, 
my uh, evolution as as a person in, in clean tech. But then also, you know, it's interspersed with uh, words of wisdom from folks like yourself <laughs> and others. And, um, you know, I think that from my perspective, uh, it's, yeah, it's been, um, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, very, very, uh, uh, passionate about the industry, very, very passionate about, um, uh, helping people and, um, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know if that necessarily answers your question, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. As you guys are opening more uh, offices, I know that you've recently expanded into Illinois as an example. What are the kinds of skills that you're looking for? And also, where do you see deficiencies in the marketplace still? Yeah. So, um, you know, where I evolved from within IPS, uh, started out in sales, and now I'm, um, you know, it's kind of a, a, a weird title. It's a new title, Chief Development Officer. And so I oversee both you know, the sales side of our business, as well as real estate acquisition, um, marketing, et cetera. And so when we're expanding into new markets and doing, um, uh, doing project development, we're looking for uh, folks that are kind of across the spectrum. doesn't necessarily need to have specific uh, experience within clean energy, but mainly we're looking for like that organizational fit and we're looking for the passion. Um, so some type of background, uh, within, within whatever, uh, you know, uh, role that we're, we're looking for. So for, for instance, you know, we, we just hired a marketing person earlier this year, we're hiring a policy person, neither of which really had clean energy uh, or that much clean energy experience. But what we were seeing is that they had a drive and they have a passion, which is harder to teach, um, than, than the specifics of clean energy. Yeah. Uh, I concur. I concur. It makes it, it makes me ask the, uh, myself the question: How do you uh, how do you filter for that as a first pass in mm-hmm. the job requirement document? Right. If you write passion, everyone's going to say I have passion. So, is there anything yeah. in particular that you look for that tells you someone is in fact so, passionate about it? Yeah. So, absolutely. Right. Um, when we posted our um, you know job openings, you know, what we've seen in general, right, is that you know if you're just responding on Indeed or LinkedIn. Um, and kind of just, you know, pushing the button, um, it's, it's really going to fall on deaf ears most of the time. And what we've seen is that people who've networked in, right? So if I know, uh, if I was searching for a job, I knew somebody that was either at the company or connected to somebody. And, and LinkedIn is a great resource to understand, you know, how many degrees of separation you are from somebody uh, that might be in a hiring role. Um, what we've seen is are those people that are able to kind of filter in and, and, and have, um, uh, I, I would say a highlight, right. Of, of their particular resume or, and cover letter. It's those folks that show that, that initiative and that drive. And that's where, you know, words and, and names start to jump off from the page. So, um, that is, that is certainly, uh, you know, a way to, to get noticed. Yeah. Well, on the topic of get noticed, I'm going to bring everyone else back on, uh, on the stage. So, <clears throat> bring up Becca and Joe and Sarah. There we are. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I wanted to have a question out to you all. Uh, you can you can decide who wants to go first. But uh, to Eric's point, there are uh, there are often those who 
apply blindly. And then there are those who are, I would say, you know, the, the Joe Tassons of the world, the folks that might be uh, CLI candidates are finding a way in through the side door, as I like to call it. So what networking tips have you seen that really work? Uh, and I, I'm curious to hear all of your perspectives, but feel free. Who wants to take the stage? I'll, uh, I'll speak real quickly. The, as far as networking is for an outsider, it's just having them aware of what is out there. And I don't know if that's a marketing initiative per se, but it's uh, I've had people contact me outside this industry, you know, wanting a change of careers and uh, I've helped them out uh, as much as introducing the folks that I knew at other companies. And some of the challenges, and I, I believe I articulated this at our, our pre-call, uh, there's a person, um, a C-level type candidate who's almost retired from telecom, made a lot of money, developed projects all over the world. I mean, I would hire this guy to run my company. He was looking for a mid-level management position at a developer company and wasn't even called back. Because sometimes people have this myopic view of, of well, that person doesn't know, you know, what a what a 380 KV, you know, line is and you know, they're not good for us. So it's being open-minded. But the answer from your networking standpoint, uh, LinkedIn, if I found is one of the best sources out there in terms of um, somebody that wants to get into the industry who's watching this, is just pay attention, sign up for the different groups, make connections through people. Um, and there's articles and, and opportunities every day that I see. And, and to me, that that's a very strong and I pass those on to certain people that I know that are looking for career changes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tag on to that. We have a LinkedIn uh, tune up session tomorrow for those who are signed up for the workshop where we'll talk specifically uh, myself and a friend Les about how you can leverage LinkedIn to get into the industry, literally to start building those relationships before you ever speak to anyone. So that's a great that's a super tip, Joe. <clears throat> And to jump in on that, I think there, I'd answer that in two ways. And one, I find it really helpful to reframe networking as relationship building, because this is not just a transactional, I need to talk to you to get a job. And I think the more you approach that as learning about the space, making those connections that are sustainable and not just one-off can really help, especially the introverted among us to, to, to step out into that. I'd also say that you know, we spoke a little bit about demonstrating passion. Um, that does not have to be through your nine to five job. I think there are a ton of ways to volunteer in this space to build that community outside of your work um, and would really encourage folks to look at the organizations that you can, you can plug into, um, whether that's the policy side, like CCL or 350, um, you know, organizations like Grid Alternatives, like, and and I'm sure Sarah has some some other ideas there. But um, those are ways to demonstrate that passion, build your network, and actually get some skills and content that I highly recommend. On the opposite side of that, I would also say for folks that are hiring, and I know there's a mix in the audience, right? It needs to also be intentional if you're trying to recruit both diverse candidates, candidates from various backgrounds. Sometimes the, um, as we, as we just go one degree of separation out, we tend to end up with folks that, that all look the same. And so I'd, I'd also challenge that, you know, get out of your one degree separation network and really, really stretch to be in different spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really key point. 
have a couple things to add. Um, so one great place to network. Um, so SEI, I kind of mentioned before, we have this PV 101 class and we're giving away a bunch of scholarships to that class. It's an online class. Um, but Solar Energy International also has a RE100 class, which is a free online, like six hour intro to renewable energy. Um, and both of those classes have online forums where there are students that like the RE100 class has like thousands of people in it from around the world at any given time. The 101 session has like over a hundred people in the class every six weeks, a new session starts. And like, they're just like the coolest conversations going on um, among students in the online forums, just, you know, talking about each other's markets and learning from each other. And it's, it's certainly not just like brand new people trying to get into the industry. It's, you know, executives who've been working in solar for five years, but didn't actually like know about the design and installation portion of it, you know? So yeah. um, that's a really, a really great place to, to network as well. It's actually, that's a really good point, Sarah. Uh, I didn't know uh, that the RE100 was uh, a free resource. So definitely mm -hmm. I'm going to check that out as well. Um, yeah. You know, er Eric and I grew up in the industry where we had to start as sales guys, like designing systems uh, by by force because uh, we didn't have big engineering teams. Uh, a lot of folks today do have big engineering teams or they use software like Aurora and other uh, design tools that make it really easy to uh, almost like using a calculator, not know the math underlying it. Right. Um, so that's a really, really good point. And there are tons of folks. I, I hear a lot of folks say, well, I don't know anything about how a solar panel works. How can I get, I, how do I get a job in the solar industry? And it's like, wait, you, there are so many different roles that mm -hmm. are, uh, non-technical per se. Uh, you know, Becca has a policy background and, uh, I've interviewed a number of folks from policy who, perhaps through their own reading would be able to know what a PN junction is, but they're not uh, scientists, you know, they're not looking into uh, exactly how uh, they, they couldn't design a system for you uh, absent the way I can, which is through, uh, through one of the aforementioned uh, uh, software. So I'd love to know where do you guys, um, I sort of pose this uh, to, to Joe, but broadly speaking, where do you guys see, the, the biggest gaps, one of the things that we often talk about in the industry is we don't have uh, engineers coming from Facebook uh, in droves to work in the industry. Where are the opportunity and the gaps from a skills uh, requirement? And, uh, and Sarah, I'd actually love to know um, from that perspective if, if you could highlight uh, the skill sets for getting an installer role as a part of this as well. Sure. Joe, you want to take that first? No, that's more of a technical. Uh, oh, uh, oh, well, I meant. Yeah, well, let's let's circle back around to Sarah. I'm actually curious at a macro level where you guys see gaps in the industry that folks who might be watching from who are coming from oil and gas, uh, maybe an HSE specialist, um, uh, health and safety. Uh, what what kinds of jobs are out there that are maybe at that higher professional level, not just the, the entry level positions? Well, from a from an engineering standpoint. Um, it's you know mid-level to high-level engineers running departments. Um, it comes down. I mean, the skill is. I always like to to say you know we're not building rocket ships or doing brain surgery. Uh, I'm not a technical person per se, but I know how to put together a whole project from start to finish. But it's looking at those people in other industries that 
have that technical background, you know, you just mentioned, I mentioned engineering, where they have the experience of running departments or running big projects, a good, they can learn the technical aspects of the job. A lot of it comes down to the nuts and bolts and fundamentals of engineering 101, and they can learn the, the other uh, uh, requirements that are needed to put together a PV project. But it's looking broadly at more of the, 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 the qualitative aspects of a potential candidate versus, hey, can this person, you know, do CAT, which most engineers know how to do. Um, and, you know, it goes back to the, the you know, I've heard everyone mention the word relationship. Um, that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I would put, uh, I'd say my success in life is really building relationships with other people and helping going out of your way to help other people out. And that really bonds, uh, that, that, that is, uh, um, you know, John Rockefeller, a great book, uh, Titan, uh, talked about, you know, I could engineers, accountants, you know, they're, they're indispensable in my organization, but give me a person that has the ability to deal with other people for that person, I'll pay anything for. Um, mm -hmm. So that really goes to the, that relationship and, and having those human beings be able to or, or recognize that they, they could build a team of people, they could connect with other human beings in the organization and outside the organization and providing that level of customer service, which later on, I would like to touch on that because I think that's a gap in this industry. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll jump in on just uh, um, your question about the installer qualifications. And this, you know, this all ties together with other things we've talked about. You know, I think for a lot of employers, you know, they're looking for somebody that has construction experience that, you know, maybe has taken a couple solar classes and is comfortable working on a roof. Like it's, it's really physical work. And so, you know, it's, I, I understand what a lot of uh, employers are looking for. <clears throat> and that's certainly a good place to start, but you know, to Becca's point earlier about employers willing to take a chance on someone um, that has, you know, has the passion, but maybe doesn't, you know, like for me, I got an installer job, um, I had zero experience in construction. Like I didn't know how to use any tools, nothing. But, you know, on my first, on my interview for an installer job, my, my employer, um, his name is John Patterson. He recognized that I was super passionate about, you know, installing solar. I wanted to learn. And, you know, I, I thought it would be fun to get up on a roof and, you know, install these systems. And, so he said, okay, you're hired, you know? So just having people that are, you know, willing to reach out of their comfort zone and bring on diverse candidates that may not have that like standard set of uh, skill set or experience is like, oh God, it's so, it's so important. Yeah, I think this ties back to a question that I have broadly and we're, uh, we're gonna do a session again tomorrow on this um, and that is transferable skills. So I'm curious, what you all might, how you might view uh, transferable skills absent the core industry skills. If there are folks, uh, even as hiring managers, what can you look for on a person's resume that would indicate that they have the underlying fundamentals that we value in the industry, um, diligence, uh, attention to detail, things like that? Yeah, I think... Um so transferable skills, you're, you're right. I think if you're jumping across industries and you will go over this, no doubt in detail um, and during the session. But uh, one thing that I, I really learned from you and some of your guests is talking about, 
you know, if you're going to move from one industry to, to the next, you don't want to change your role, your fundamental role within, uh, within your core experience while also jumping to a new, uh, a new pathway or a new industry. What you want to do is if you've got that experience doing, uh, marketing, say for uh, Johnson and Johnson is to use your, your, your knowledge of, you know, uh, product marketing and, and take that into a similar role within clean energy and not, for instance, you know, hopping into a finance role or trying to hop into a finance role. Um, and so, you know, using what you've learned uh, over, you know, your, your career as, as an asset to, to who you are as an individual um, and then what and then how you can use that experience to help further the goals of the organization in which you're applying for. Um, that's, that's how I see, you know, transferable skills, um, working, working well. Becca, I imagine this is something that you guys talk about a lot within the fellowship program. Do you have specific ways that you guide folks to identify those transferable skills? You know, I think, um, what Eric said is exactly right. Like you, you don't want that two degree jump, right? You transfer over, um, what we tend to do is try to help illuminate where those skills actually match. Like folks generally have a good sense of like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I enjoy doing. And normally when they're looking to transition in the clean energy economy, right, it's for two reasons. It's a, this is going to be the future and I don't want to be left behind in this. Like this is, this is where, this is the best time to enter clean energy. It is so dynamic. It is so transparent transformational, like this is a great time to enter it and folks feel that or, you know, for they want to address climate change, they want to do something that they feel is beneficial and meaningful and gives them purpose. And so what we um, tend to spend a lot of time doing is trying to align where that is in this huge array of the clean energy economy that changes every every month. Think of what we thought about solar three years ago and where we are now. Right? It's just it's hard to predict that. And so I think my advice for folks is really to, to actually look in and say, this is what I'm passionate about. This is why I'm passionate about that. And being able to articulate that with your skills that you're like, I can do this. Let me do this for this reason. And this is why I think I fit in. And this is where I see things going is one of the best things you can practice. And that's where, you know, there are so many digests, there are so many news sources to, to kind of get a sense of what's happening in the clean energy space and in that kind of volunteer capacity to try to see those gaps, I think is, is the biggest thing. I fully, uh, I fully agree with that. I have these conversations on such a regular basis. Uh, Joe and uh, I, I want the rest of you to comment on this, but Joe mentioned something about uh, getting his foot in the door uh, and it led to a discussion about mentors um, so before we talk about mentorship specifically, how did you get that intro to that first developer? I feel like that first shoe to drop is what, what lots of folks not only anxious about and fearful of, but uh, they see it as the mountain to climb. How do you get that first uh, contact? Uh, yeah, it's, I had a, um, when we were, my other company in telecom, um, we had a, uh, 75 employees and we needed some help. So I hired a consultant just to look at the business and uh, he recommended, uh, he's very well connected and he knew someone he used to work with who worked at this large developer 
So he put us in touch with each other mm-hmm. and uh, it was an initial conversation, what we do, and it sort of didn't really go anywhere. And then we had a meeting and we were looking at more from a, a technical standpoint, like we can do installation and construction as we had, you know, we build towers, we have people doing hundreds of installations a year for Verizon of the world. And um, it, we just it sort of died on the vines. We realized we didn't have the proper licensing. And then, uh, I just kept on following up and got in touch with one of the the, the heads of real estate. And uh, we hit it off on the phone after the, it was in early 17 after New Year's, we got together and uh, really didn't know anything about the business. And we just started, you know, like the cut of my jib, I guess. And the uh, rest is history. But it was really, it was a mutual connection. So that was a long answer. Yeah. Question, but. Yeah. Uh, that mutual connection um, link is super important and it doesn't have to be, a very personal mutual connection. If you, as Becca said, think about networking as relationship building and, and it's a uh, time value uh, equation. It's not something where, Oh, I have, uh, I've liked and commented on this person's stuff for a, a month on LinkedIn. Why aren't they uh, accepting my invitation request? Um, I'll also point out what Joe just said is, uh, is related to uh, what we call informational interviews. Uh, I find so many folks who want to, I mean, this is what it comes down to when they're reaching to Eric and myself and Sarah and Becca, uh, I'm sure get this as well. They'll say, can I pick your brain? Um, I mean, that's the equivalent of an informational interview. And, and I've said to folks, hey, if instead of saying, hey, I'd like to pick your brain, you said, I'm considering a role of uh I'm considering going down the development path and I have these three questions. Can I grab five minutes of your time? It's so much easier to say yes to that request than, uh, yeah. So doing your homework and actually positioning your ask, uh, with, uh, even as simple as I've seen a very, very successful, uh, a friend of mine who's very successful at getting indoors, he will research and he will build those relationships through LinkedIn and other ways. He'll have folks email, uh, introductions for him. Um, and always when he gets that email introduction, it'll say, Hey Joe, I noticed that you do this. I'm thinking about doing something similar. Would you recommend me to do a or B, right? It's literally like the easiest question to answer. Joe can just respond and say, Hey, I hope it goes well. Let me know how it works. Right. Um, so I find that a lot of times folks just don't do the, they don't do the homework and they try to put all the work on. I'll say us as the recipients of the, of the ask. And, um, and it's similar to like, if you want somebody to recommend you, I mean, Eric did a great job of this. Um, I mean, a little bit of how the sausage is made, but Eric just wrote this book. I did interview on the book for him and it was a fantastic uh, opportunity, but for a testimonial, Eric very smartly said, Nico, I wrote this testimonial. Does this sound right? And I tweaked it a little bit. That's the way this stuff works. If you can sort of pre-script to ask and make it easy for folks, networking then becomes easy and relationship building becomes more about what you're doing for the person you're asking help for. Absolutely. Um, I have a, a couple of good anecdotes from the, from the book, actually, and, and some that came from some, some of the interviews that I, I did. One is with Jake Rosemarin. He was a former guest of yours, founder of um, EcoBrandit, which was successfully acquired by Antenna Group, and now he uh, helps to head the renewables department. And he was telling me about how he would um, contact, you know, thought leaders and people that he really wanted to connect with and maybe potentially even, you know, work with uh, from a sales position uh, via 
telling them that he was writing an article for medium.com or he, in which he might've been doing. And so there's a lot of that hustle. Right. And then um, he was saying, you know, instead of just reaching out cold, he'd get a response within five minutes uh, of people replying and saying yes. So there's a lot of hustle to it. And um, there's another example, uh, Evan Hines, who's the founder of Climate Base, which is a really good resource for clean energy jobs out there, climatebase.com. And he uh, was talking about how, um, you know, he started a podcast. And I guess we know some people that have podcasts, right? Uh, and he um, was, would reach out. He really wanted to work in, in the tech industry in, in Silicon Valley. Uh, started, you know, had four interviews on his podcast and was hired. You know, it's so it's stuff like it's stuff like that where you can bring value. Right. And then people get to know you and you're authentic and you're genuine and people like you. And then they say, you know what? I could see this person in a role, you know, at, at my company. Um, yeah. And so it, it's 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 things like that um, that I've, I've found to, to be really, uh, you know, uh, help people be successful. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to share share a quick story about one of the, the best people I've ever worked with is a woman named uh, Jenny Hall. And she asked me, she did the, uh, a pre-apprenticeship program through the Oregon Tradeswomen um, program. And, and we did an inter, in, informational interview. Um, we had a beer. We chatted. You know, exactly that ha- happened. Like you were talking about, Eric. It was like, oh, man, how can we figure out how to get how can I figure out how to get this person a role? And she wound up volunteering for like six weeks or so um, with my company. turns out she's like an aerospace engineer and she's amazing. And six months later, she was a, a co-owner of the company. Cause it was like, you know, like wow. just, we need this person. Um, yeah. And it just kind of all starts with like a genuine relationship building, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah I know. Go ahead, Joe. You know, while while we're sharing sharing anecdotes, I have a really good one too. And and this is a, a I believe you know hiring people right out of college too. Um, I mean, I know you know me being an old timer. Today's generation gets uh, knocked sometimes, but um, but there's a, a huge huge pool of, of great talent um, that is uh, coming out of school. Maybe this year, next year, maybe out of school a couple of years. They're not really sure what uh, their career path is going to be. And a person that I brought on board with my other consulting company, um, he was actually the guy's father was a friend of a friend. And anyway, came to my house, just graduated school, um, said, I'm intrigued by renewables. Um, I'm actually going to move to Puerto Rico and try to do it down there. And I I said, listen, I can't pay you. Um, I mean, it's commission-based, you know, finding leads and, and originating projects. Um, but what I will do is I will be a, a, a wealth of knowledge for you and train you. And when I tell you a two years later, he is a rock star. Um, I mean, one of the best human beings I've ever worked with. I mean, he is crushing it for me. Uh, I can't, I'm just I can't say enough good things. And he's doing exceptionally well for himself financially. So um, that is somebody who was a very low risk hire. Um, and it turned out to be great. And I, I know it's, uh, I made every hiring mistake in the book, but, uh, this one has turned out really good. And, and I don't know, I don't, I'm not saying other people wouldn't have taken a chance with them, but I'm sort of glad I did. Well, we're, uh, running up against, uh, the top of the hour here, or the half hour. 
several are no doubt heading over to our uh, our virtual FAQ session. I know Eric's going to jump into that in a minute, uh, as well as Sarah. If you guys have one final piece of practical advice, what might it be? I would say, like, if you want to get into into renewables, commit to it. You know, it might not be easy, but once you you know you take the steps that we talked about today, eventually you'll get that that first opportunity, and then it's like, oh man, the opportunities are endless once you start getting experience. So you got to commit. Fantastic, Becca. I would build on that, um, uh, Nico, with a little bit of what you said, in the sense that when you're having these informational interviews, when you're reaching out. It is so much easier if you know what you want, what you want, and what you're looking for, and spend that time developing your own narrative. It's not written in stone, but if you can go and say, "This is my story. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm interested in." Here's how people can see see your story, and they can see where they fit in. And so, I would spend that time looking inwards to say to develop that narrative and be able to articulate that when you're when you're in these very very important informationals and then follow up you can't have one conversation and expect people to remember you in six months follow up it's a relationship it needs to be tended to yeah indeed joe king of follow-up any uh thing to yeah, tag on? i i think what sarah said and and becca agree 100 percent and uh i was just going to echo what becca says is is right there with follow-up persistence mm-hmm. um I, my one of my favorite quotes is failure is the path of least persistence uh, I'll tell a real quick story. One of my first big jobs, I got in telecom, the area manager joked around and said, I, I just, I, I, I had to hire him. He just wouldn't stop calling me. I'm figuring like, at least he'll stop calling me if I give him a job. I mean, you know, you don't want to get a restraining order, but persistence, follow up and having that narrative uh, right on top of things to do. Thank you, Joe. We'll round it out with you, Eric. Yeah. Um, so, I have a lot of advice, right? I wrote this this kind of uh, because I'm a glutton for punishment, this book. And um, I would just say that finding out what value that you bring to whatever organization that you are reaching out to um, and then just, you know, honing in on what are my skills and what are my passions and then baking that into a message that you then deliver to your uh, to your perspective um, higher. And um, I will say too, just a quick plug, um, the book is coming out on the 18th of October. I have it just for everybody here that's online. Um, we have chapter eight of the book, which is called Building a Foundation in Clean Energy. Uh, have it for free for download, uh, clean energy book, or sorry, cleanwavebook.com slash foundation. Uh, I'm sure that'll be in the notes uh, section. Uh, but I just also want to thank you, Nico, and everybody else on the panel for um, for a, a fun conversation today. Well, that was one of the early sessions for our Career Summit. We'll be publishing several more from the Career Summit, candidly because I get a lot of questions lately about how to get into the industry. Climate and clean energy are all the rage. What with President Biden committing more than a trillion dollars to address climate action in the next five years. So... If you find yourself in the position where you are curious about how you can learn more, looking for advice, a coach, a template, or that side door networking method that has worked for many others who've worked with us, please go to mysuncast.com and check out the work with Nico button. Uh, That's where you can fill out an application and schedule 15 minutes to just chat with me and see how we can work together. I'm always glad for anybody who has stopped by 
here to check out Suncast. Thank you so much. Don't forget to come again on Thursday. We have a fantastic interview from some of the guys from the Solar Prize, the NREL funded contest, a company called Renew Robot that made it almost all the way to the end of the competition, but has a fascinating business and they've got a great entrepreneurial story. Hope you'll tune in to that conversation this Thursday. And of course, a special thank you finally to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible and free to you. Learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. And you can also follow links there for any offers, demos, cool benefits from our partners or to throw your hat in the ring. If you as well would like to partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors, just like yourself each and every week. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. Mm -hmm.